Hi, welcome to this seminar on pioneering leadership. Mid me speaking, a PowerPoint should come up behind me, so bear with us. Uh, my name, just to give you a wee intro, my name's Thomas, and I am the husband to a, a lovely lady who's at home with her two boys called Mary, and we get to lead Inverness Vineyard Church. I'm from just outside Glasgow, uh, so I was born there and brought up there in a place called Vale of Leven, and my wife is from Inverness, and we got married there and in 2009, and we ended up moving to Aberdeen. We were in Aberdeen 11 years, and part of my journey, I left university, uh, I studied business studies and HR, and went on to become a financial advisor with Santander. And in the mix of that was volunteering at uh, Catalyst Vineyard Church in their youth group, and ended up becoming their youth pastor uh, for initially a year, ended up doing that for uh, nearly four years, and then the church uh, went multi-site, and we moved just outside Aberdeen uh, to a little place called Ellen, and uh, we then ended up leading a, a site in Ellen for a number of years as well. And two years ago, we started the adventure of church planting, and we're way up in the highlands of Scotland, and I just wanted to to share some maybe common misconceptions about Inverness. So just some facts about Inverness. We have Wi-Fi. <laughs> I can watch Sky TV. And there is a Tesco in Inverness as well. Actually, there's three Tescos uh, up in Inverness. Inverness is one of the fastest growing cities in Europe. And something is stirring in Scotland. Something's happening in Scotland. And it is a privilege to be a small part of that. Uh, I don't want to do all the talking as part of this session. We're going to have little spaces, uh, and hopefully up on the screen. If not, I'll share just some questions for you to take a minute uh, by yourselves with the Lord and just reflect on as we journey through uh, this seminar. So it's not going to be all me speaking. As I was praying for this session, I had a picture I just want to share from the, the offset. And it was of a group of people that had name badges on. We all had name badges on. And uh, we were looking down at our name badges and we were just trying to remember who we were. Because uh, I just had a sense for some of us, it's become a bit lost on us, who God has called us to be. And I think this space is going to be about not forgetting anymore. And this week is going to be about not forgetting anymore. And to wear the badge with expectation and with joy and to remember who we are and how God has created us. So uh, my blurb, my blurb, my blurb, it's very Scottish, uh, roll the R's with my Scottish accent. My blurb says we need pioneers. They break new ground and they lead us into places that no one else has been. In this seminar, we want to stir the pot. We want to be real with the challenges. But most importantly, we want to create an environment to re-engage and reignite the dreams that are on our hearts for God to do a new thing. So we want to give space to do that. So three things we're going to do. We're going to stir the pot. We're going to share some challenges. Uh, so I'm going to share some of mine and I'll give you a chance to maybe reflect right now where you're at, some of the challenges that are facing yourselves. And then finally, we're going to create an, just create an environment to, to re-engage and to ask the Holy Spirit what he wants to do. So uh, the first slide, which isn't up yet, but the first thing I just want to just take 30 seconds and just write maybe in your notepad or reflect on, write in your phone, what are your hopes for this session? So you've looked at pioneering leadership, you've, you've looked at stirring the pot, what, what are your hopes for this little space of time? And, and just write that down or ask, ask the Lord uh, yeah, what, 
what that is. Brilliant. I'm going to start by praying. And just before I do, I, I've been really stirred and, and reading books on revivals. Scotland is just steeped in a, a rich heritage of revivals and seeing the, the Lord move uh, through our nation. And I, I've been reading a little bit about the beginnings of the Lewis revival. And uh, the Lewis revival was birthed in prayer and birthed in surrender. It was birthed in obedience. And there's a story told of the office bearer of one of the churches and he prayed, God, are my hands clean and is my heart pure? And once he uttered those, those words, he could get no further. The presence of God gripped the building and uh, the rest is history in terms of what happened. It, it seems to me that with this whole thing of pioneering leadership, surrender is a really good place to start. Psalm 24 says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, for he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord, who may stand in his holy place, the one who has clean hands and a pure heart. Can we pray together? Lord, I, I pray that this is a, a significant moment for each and every one of us here in this space. We don't want fancy anecdotes our nice little stories. This is all about you, Jesus. We want to see you known. We want to see you reign in our cities. We want to see your kingdom come. We love you, Lord. And we start this chunk of time with surrender. You know best, Lord. We bring to you our, our postures. We bring to you our hearts, our minds, our dreams our struggles, we surrender. We stand in awe of you, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit, do what you want. Take control. Highlight the areas of our lives where you're to speak. Will you plant seeds and dig up any weeds, Lord? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, I'll move out the way here. There we go. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much. Four years ago at this conference, I went forward for prayer, as you do, and it was for church planting. And I had no intention of church planting. I had no immediate plans. I, I felt pushed into it. Actually, reflecting, I think I was literally pushed into it. And uh, the person praying for me asked me, where would you plant if it would happen? And I, I just blurted out, because it was a place where my wife was from, we got married, we loved it. I just went, Inverness? And at that point, something shifted in the room. It almost felt like in a room of 1,200 people, it was me, the guy who was praying for me, and the Lord just hanging out. And uh, he then started to get a bit emotional. And I thought, that's not the way it works. Surely it should be me. You're praying for me. Why is he crying? <laughs> he started to get a bit emotional. He had worked in Inverness, I think, for over 20 years. And he knew Inverness so well. And I just thought, in a room of 1,200, 1,300 people, for me to be lined up with this gentleman praying for me who knows the place that I blurted out, I left that prayer encounter 
and I'm sure all of us have had these moments when I was laughing, shaking, crying. I didn't quite know what I was doing, but I knew after that moment that God was orchestrating something. And I've never had a moment like that before in my life. It was like I spoke out the inner groans and, and what God was brewing and what God knew before I was even born. And he watched it rise and it was spoken into life. And in that moment, I realized that this journey uh, was far bigger than I imagined it. It was like uh, a part of it to get started had been instantly downloaded into my heart and into my mind to get going. And that was it. The words spoken out, something of heaven and earth collided and a deliberate, planned, beautiful dream was pulled into reality. I wonder what words will speak out this week. Perhaps there's some of us here who know what those words are, but we're just like, oh, I don't want to say it. I don't want to speak out. The inner groans. What do we have a sense that God is, is brewing and mixing and stirring in our lives? I want to look at just what the definition of a, a pioneer is. And uh, I just want to list some of the character traits so uh, a pioneer is someone who is never satisfied. So they perhaps look at a situation or they look at the situation and they know there is more. They're looking for new ways and new avenues. They're perhaps thinking if we do the same thing again and again, we're going to get the same results. They defy all limitations. When someone says it can't be done, a pioneer looks at them with that mischievous grin and goes, I'll show you. They dance to the beat of a different drum. So they have, they're just a different way of, of doing things. They press on. There's a determination to see through uh, what they are, are called to do. They don't play it safe. So risk is a way of life for a pioneer. They're perhaps creative, doing things that haven't been done before. They're leaders of innovation. And they enjoy the blank canvas. It's an opportunity, it's potential, it's big hopes and big dreams. But you know what I think the most important reminder of a pioneer, of pioneering leadership is? Pioneering leadership is about creating a path and a way for those who will come after. Like an explorer who's forging his way through a, a forest that hasn't been touched, chopping down, tramp, you know, trampling on the branches, making a path for those after, for the people after, the first followers, the, the generations after. I have two little boys uh, that I mentioned at the beginning, and their names are, are Joshua and Struan. That's a real Scottish name as well, Struan. Uh, they are three and five years old. And early in our, our journey, church planting, we started some Sunday gatherings, uh, just sharing breakfast with the community. And uh, I was putting Joshua, our eldest, to bed uh, one night. And he turns completely out the blue to me, and he just looks at me with a massive grin in his face, and he says, Daddy, I loved church today. And I just, it just instantly hit me, and I went, that's great, son, yeah, brilliant. I kind of held it together till I got out of the room, and then just just had a moment with the Lord and I just sobbed. For, for us, this church planting business and pioneering is as much about those who come after us. For pioneering leadership is for what's to come, 
for business, for education, for our workplaces, for the dreams that we have. It's for what's to come. It's about doing something today or this week or this year in your life and for the kingdom of God that will resound and echo and remain for decades after. When uh, we had our two boys, I had constant moments of panic. I was thinking, oh, everything's going to change. Will we be okay? And I'll tell you what I did when Joshua came along, our firstborn. But firstly, I want to share a little bit with Struan, our secondborn. I, I panicked big style. So it was our, our second child, and I'm, I'm worrying. I'm thinking, will it be okay? Will it be okay? We're going to have to have a double pram. Will that be, you know, double prams? We're going to have to put two to bed. You know, it's hard enough for one that it's going to be doubly difficult in the evenings. And we're in the waiting room. My wife's ready to get a, a C-section. And I just couldn't cope. I was just so nervous and just worrying. You know, what are we going to do? I'm panicking. And my instant reaction was to look at my phone. I quite like tech. I'm quite a gadget person. So I go on the Curry's website and I'm browsing through all the deals and on my phone while Mary's sitting on one of these big ball things ready to go into. And she's asking, are you okay? Yeah, I'm okay, love. Are you okay? Yeah. I'm like, ah. So I'm looking through and I see a television. <laughs> and I was thinking, we've, not, we've had this television since we were married, the one we have. It doesn't have smart TV functions. So, uh, oh, there's one on offer. I think I'll get it. And then completely forgot it. I ended up buying a television while we were waiting on our second born being uh, born. So the television came three days after we arrived back home. And yeah, we'll just leave it there. It didn't go down too well. It didn't go down too well. But a better story in my panic was when Joshua arrived. When our firstborn came along, it was all of a sudden I became a dad and my heart just cried out for other dads. I was just, I just had a moment where I was thinking of all other dads. When he was born, I was aware there was so much for mums and not a lot for dads. And my heart longed for connection. It longed for getting alongside people who were exactly where I was at to share and to encourage and to hang out with their kids and with each other. And I don't know for other dads, but have you ever been to a group that is surrounded by mums and you're the only dad? I've been once or twice and, you know, there's... It's not all the time, but one time I particularly went and it felt like all eyes were on me. I felt the pressure. I was shaking, like buttoning them back up. I was shaking, carrying them out uh, to the car. I was like, ah, everyone's watching me. Uh, So how do we look in terms of what was existing in terms of ministries or in terms of things to connect with other dads? And there's a ministry called Who Let the Dads Out? And I'm sure uh, one or two of us are aware of that. And we play the, the song, Who Let the Dogs Out, alongside that. And then in church, sing the song along with that. But we started that, Who Let the Dads Out? A monthly group for dads or uncles, granddads, carers, men and their preschool and primary school age children. And we started it in a hall in Ellen, so when we were site pastors, and there was only three of us as a team. And the first month, we, we advertised it, we shared the vision of it, and it was only the three of us. And then the second month, there was only two of us. <laughs> so that meant that was a lot of bacon rolls, there was a lot of toys, and there was a lot of space. So our kids had a great time. They had a great time. And that was back in 2015. But I've seen in my heart what that space was meant to be. I've seen the picture of what it was to be. Have you ever had that? 
Have you ever been in a, have you ever had a, a dream or you start with something and you know what it's meant to be? You can picture it, you can feel it. And it wasn't there yet, but I, I, was, I was persevering with that. I was often asked, do you think this is the right thing? You know, you've only had three people. And I was like, yes, it's the right thing. Do you not think we should just give it a little break for six months and then, or perhaps you should go to a smaller hall or why don't you do walks and not meet in the hall? And I was like, no, I'm absolutely sure. I'm absolutely sure. You know, pioneers in some seasons need time. It's not all fireworks and instant impact. It's a journey. It's celebrating the little and it's being faithful with what God has deposited in your heart. And now in that site, there's over 30 dads. There's a, a community there. There's curry nights. There's friendship. There's pub visits. There's Christmas carol service invites. They're chatting about Jesus. They play squash. And uh, we left that church to plant Inverness Vineyard Church. It's about those who come after. I don't know a lot of those dads. And that's what it's all about. Pioneers see the vision stretching beyond themselves. It's all about the others. And, they, and we carry perseverance for the picture that still needs painting. After the prayer encounter that I mentioned a number of years ago at NLC, uh, which I, I call the moment, I, I went home and I spoke to Mary. And I knew right away that we had a shared vision for something that was yet to happen. To pioneer a new expression of church in Inverness and to create a path for those who will come after. So I, most of you will know what I mean when I say the moment. You know, I, we had a moment. And some of us maybe resonate that. It doesn't necessarily need to be uh, ministry-related or church-related. It could be when we meet our spouse. It was, uh, it was love at first sight. Or when we get into a job which just fits. It was like that moment where you come alive. Or with moving to a new city or a, a new place. And I've had a few of those moments. With uh, my wife, Mary, I knew the moment. It was July 2004, and my parents had just moved to Inverness, and she was singing in the praise band. She was in the praise band. And I just knew. My family had just moved to Inverness, and I was strategic in asking her out for a date. So I managed to, to do that. But I found out something about this first date. Little did I know she had an emergency text service set up with a number of her friends. So if I turned out to be just completely crazy or not quite her type, she got a text midway through our first date and uh, saying that that was our get out. You know, she would say, oh, oh, I really need to go. Bye, nice to meet you. And what I found out was she got that text, but then she got three or four texts. through. So she'd lined up three or four friends to, to basically scarp her if it, if it just wasn't happening. And uh, also, I wouldn't have blamed her for scarpering because I, I bought a bunch of flowers for that first day. I can't believe I'm sharing this. But I bought, I, I bought a bunch of flowers and I'd never bought flowers for anyone and they turned out to be artificial flowers. <laughs> I really fancy you. Have some fake flowers. Oh, thankfully, she never left. So that's one of my moments. But the moment being prayed for, for Inverness Vineyard Church, speaking it out, saying, Inverness, 
I could close my eyes right now and I could feel what happened once I spoke it out. I could smell it. I could touch it. And it was almost at that moment I agreed wholeheartedly uh, with what was ahead. And we have a wee saying off the back of our adventure in planting and planting and pioneering that new church. And the saying says, let's go something like this. We don't want to get old and wrinkly thinking, imagine if we planted that church. We want to get old and wrinkly. And it's amazing what two years can do. We're already getting there. We want to get old and wrinkly with a glass uh, of bubbly marking the moment for the umpteenth time thinking, imagine if we never pioneering leadership looks at the church, the city, the nation, the move, the conversation, the business, the dream, the risk, the adventure, the charity, the outreach, the impossible, the blank canvas and says, I don't want to look back and think, what if? We take the leap, we take the deep breath, we send the email, we make the phone call, we have the conversation We don't live with the what ifs. We celebrate the imagine if we nevers. Imagine if we never. Imagine if we never. Can I just pray? Holy Spirit, will you increase what you're doing in this, in this room? We want to be a people that don't live with the what ifs. Whatever that looks like for each and every one of us, Will you come into that right now? Right now, Lord. Right now, what you're stirring, Lord. We just pray, stir. Stir, Lord. Stir. Stir. Whatever season we are in, Lord, whatever you are brewing this week, Lord, we give you permission to stir. Right now. There's a, a book that I read a number of years ago called Chase the Lion uh, by an American pastor called Mark Batterson. Uh, he's got some amazing books out and, do, and does a lot on podcasts as well. Uh, I'd, I'd encourage you to check him out. Uh, in the book Chase the Lion, it speaks about a book called, excuse my French, L'Empire de l'Air by Louis-Pierre Moulard. And he was a French farmer. He was a poet and he was a student of flight. And he was a prophet crying in the wilderness, exhorting the world to repent of its unbelief in the possibility of human flight. Let me just read that again. He was a prophet crying in the wilderness, exhorting the world to repent of its unbelief in the possibility of human flight. Now, human flight at that time was a pipe dream by everybody who spoke of it. But for, we'll call him Louis, I'm not going to say his whole name again, he rejected it. This book fell into the hands of a man called Wilbur Wright, who had received it by writing a letter to the Smithsonian Institute, asking, he basically wrote a letter and said, give me everything you have on, on flight. And this set in motion the moment for the rights. He had read to his bedbound brother everything about his fascination. 
His brother was ill, and during his brother's illness, he led, uh, it led to them becoming fascinated with human flight and led them to write this letter, led them to receive this book, and led them to read that statement. And something came to life inside of them. The fire was stoked. The dream was ignited. And they, fast forward, they are, of course, known as the Wright brothers, who were credited for building, inventing, and pioneering and flying the world's first aeroplane. Amazing. I just want to put a slide up with three questions. And we're going to take five minutes. And I want to ask us as a room, what impossibility do we need to repent of? I want to ask us, has fear got a hold of a dream? And then finally, what one step can we take to set it in motion? And perhaps it's setting it in motion again. So uh, let's take five minutes uh, and, and do that. And Lord, we ask that you'll come into what we've unpacked there. What we've written off. Or where we have I've said, there's no changing that or it'll always be the same. We pray where fear has a hold, Lord, and is pursuing that you... Uh, you'll just come into that right now, Lord. Fear be gone. We pray fear be gone. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for what you want to do, for what you have planned. You know, the, the reassuring thing with everything around pioneering is that God knows exactly what he's doing, uh, which is reassuring because a lot of the time I don't know what I'm doing. And if I can be honest uh, and real with you, and maybe a few of you here just now can resonate, this topic of pioneering leadership is a, a wake-up call for me right now because two years into planting Inverness Vineyard Church, it's reality. So this thing that happened four years ago when I spoke it out and, and God accelerated and stirred and brought together what he wanted, it's in reality. It's a church now. It's a thing. It's out here. You can go. You can check our website. We'll serve you a coffee. You can worship. You can hear a talk. The Lord's building is church. And you know, once we say yes, we get to a certain point. We get there. And a lot of us here perhaps will be living uh, off the result of a pioneering leadership decision. And I feel the Lord saying, keep on keeping on. He wants to remind us that the story isn't finished and there is more. And I feel the Lord saying personally to us and to, to everyone here, don't get settled. Don't get comfy. And that's the single biggest risk to pioneering leadership is don't get comfy. I remember one Sunday, we didn't get our usual really d uncomfortable chairs. We got nice cushioned ones because they had them in for exams. And you can just see everyone lounging back. And I thought, it's just such a picture, isn't it? We don't want to get comfy. We don't want to get comfy. We made it to Inverness. We planted a church. We're seeing people come to Jesus. We have nice services. We're doing some good stuff in the city. We have great times with the Lord. 
But I've been saying to our church family this last season, this isn't it. This, this can't be it. Have you ever felt that? Maybe you're sitting here just now and you're thinking that over your life. Maybe you're thinking that in your job. Maybe you're thinking that in your church. Maybe you know you've got settled, you've got comfy and there's a longing for more and God's stirring this week. I don't want to settle. It's almost like, you know, the catchphrase for alphas are more to life than this. That we just need to revisit that, that phrase as Christians, as Jesus followers and ask the Lord, is there more? What is the more? God's timing is perfect and I love that he's brought us uh, together this afternoon. And part of our adventure to plant a church, and we brought some dear friends with us as well who are even crazier than us, uh, it's been an amazing two years. There's been so much joy, so much provision. It's been wild, but it's been coupled with really tough stuff as well. Slogs and heartache, and they seem to coexist. That's the way it often works, but it's been so worth it. And to continue and not get comfy, for pioneers to thrive, what we magnify really matters. How we continue serving Jesus really matters. Perspective matters. Pioneering leadership acknowledges and operates from a healthy perspective of the challenges faced and who God is. So I want to ask us one minute, maybe a wee bit less, what are we magnifying? What are we magnifying? And I just had a picture of us, and you know, I'm guilty of this, the problems that come our way, the stresses. We stick a magnifying glass and they become giants and we forget how big God is. Ask the Lord right now, what, what are we magnifying? Will you come into this space, Lord? Will you reveal to us where there's an un unhealthy balance, Lord? Come, Lord. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. Lord, we want to be real with the challenges, but we want to place them into your hands. We, want, we know your hands are big enough and safe enough. Will you right now come into our minds and will you reshape our firsts, our first reactions, our first thoughts? We invite you into them, Lord. When problems come our way, when walls come our way, Lord, when questions come our way, help us look to how big you are, Lord. And help us place the, the magnifying glass firmly down, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. As I, I've mentioned earlier, it's tough to be a pioneer. To make new roads, you're faced with challenges, opposition, tensions. And I want to have a, a quick look at a couple of passages in the Bible that illustrate this perfectly. So I want to speak about Joshua and Caleb. 
And they're a pair of men whose vision was bigger than the challenges. So we see the people of Israel. They're on the verge of the promised land in Numbers chapter 13 and 14. And in Numbers 13 verse 1, it says this. God spoke to Moses, send men to scout out the country of Canaan that I am giving to the people of Israel. Send one man from each ancestral tribe, each one a tried and true leader in the tribe. So they send 12 spies to scout out the land and give them a very specific set of questions to answer once they get uh, to spy in the land. And it says in verse 17, go up through the Negev and then into the hill country. Look the land over. See what it is like. Assess the people. Are they strong or weak? Are there few or many? Observe the land. Is it pleasant or harsh? Describe the towns where they live. Are they open camps or fortified with walls? And the soil, is it fertile or barren? Are there forests? And try to bring back a sample of the produce that grows there. This is the season for the first ripe grapes. So the 12 men all come back and they have answers. The land is good, but the people are big and intimidating. 10 of the spies leave it at this point and they conclude, they have that line where they say they feel like grasshoppers in the land. Their perspective is fixed on the problems. Only two of the spies, Joshua and Caleb, bring God into the conversation. They know that God has promised them the land. They had a vision for what God can do and not what they can't. I want to ask us, what has God promised to pioneer in? What can God do that you can't? And we see in this instance with the 10, we see questions around five areas that I just want to put up on the next slide. So with these 10 who didn't really acknowledge God and his provision and his protection, we see them looking at the people. They said the people are strong. They're too strong. We see them look at the place. They said we, we looked at the city, but the walls are great. It's walled and it's, a, it's, it's too big. It's too, it's too big a thing. Also the plan. So part of their feedback, they speak about the Amalekites, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, and the Canaanites. And they say that they all dwell in strategic areas. So that the plat, we just, they have a plat, we just don't have a chance. We see a line as well where they look at the past. The land eats the inhabitants. Have you not seen what happened to people that are there? And we see their perspective. All the people are men of great stature. They're like giants and we are like grasshoppers. So people, place, plan, past, perspective. Often our challenges to pioneer fall in these areas. I wonder if that resonates with us this afternoon. Have we delayed pushing forward to what God has called us because of people? It's a tough gig. The people who are around, they just, there's just no chance. Or maybe the place where we're situated, oh, that place is notorious. They have the city sewn up. There's just no inroads. There's no light. There's no, I can't see anything. It's, there's no way in. Or have you heard what happened to the last person that tried something like that? 
Or what about uh, the past? Have you seen what happened to the people before? Have you seen what happened to the people before that have ventured into that area or have tried something like that? It didn't end well. Or perspective. Who am I? Who am I to do this? I'm just little old Jimmy from Inverness. I don't have the authority. Or I'm just a teacher. I'm a student. I'm a shepherd. Who am I? I can't speak. Let's look at these areas as an opportunity and just a, a slightly different light. I want to look at Nehemiah. Nehemiah is a cupbearer to the king and he's seeing the walls in Jerusalem crumble. And we see with Nehemiah, holy discontentment. Holy discontent. Terry Virgo, who uh, is part of the New Frontiers movement, speaks of holy discontent. Pioneers live with this. And I have that for the nation of Scotland. I have that for Inverness. I have that for the Highlands. I see it. I see what God wants to do. It's a moment. It's heartbreaking. And for Nehemiah, he has this. The city and the people are in great distress. The city has been burned. And Nehemiah knew in the core of his being he had to do something about it. He was compelled to. Somebody uh, says this about Nehemiah around his story and his reaction uh, to what he's seen. You become a broken down, spirit-filled, fire-fueled, world-changing wreck. And you know deep in your bones that things cannot just remain as they are. And that someone is going to have to do something about it. And that someone is probably going to have to be you. And it's probably going to cost you. For Nehemiah, that was exactly the case. He had a cushy job. He had it sorted. He was cupbearer to the king. He had a life that was sorted, but his heart was stirring. We don't want lives that are sorted in a worldly sense. We want surrendered lives for Jesus. So I want to have a look very quickly at the same peas, but with Nehemiah. And we see a very different take. We see with the people in Nehemiah 2.18, the rebuild is getting underway. And he says, let us rise up and build. He empowered, he paved a way, he led. The people were compelled with vision. We see with the place, we see the rebirth of a community. In Nehemiah chapter 3, there's just a list of people who came to help with this rebuild. A most, the most remarkable list of people, we have priests and we have perfume makers. From ruins to relationship to community. We also see a plan. We see Nehemiah protecting the rebuild. In Nehemiah 4, 13 to 14, it speaks about how he stationed armed guards. He's seen the need to protect the rebuild. He made a way, but opposition was coming. And opposition often comes with kingdom breakthrough. And we need to plan to protect. We need systems, as we've been hearing. We need protection. We need covering. We see with the past as well, a rebuilding of what was destroyed, restoring what was lost. It was too precious to be left in ruins. He couldn't live with accepting the way it is. I wonder if we have what that looks like. For us, what can we not accept with the way something is? It's just stirring us right now. 
And then we have perspective. We see Tobiah and Sambalat in chapter four. They say a little line, if a fox climbed on this, the whole thing would collapse. And in verse six, Nehemiah says, we kept at it. We repaired and we rebuilded, rebuilding, we were rebuilding the wall. And there's a constant uh, response in prayer. They prayed and they prayed and they prayed and they kept at it. So I wonder, out of those two, are we part of the ten? Or are we Nehemiah's in terms of pioneering? To look at that in terms of what God's calling us to and how we respond. I'm going to take a bit of time asking God to come now and to, to pray for each other, to have a bit of ministry together and see what the Lord wants to do. I uh, wonder if we could stand to do that. Is that okay? We just want to pray, come Holy Spirit. And right now we give you permission to stir the pot right now, to bring your perspective to increase in this room for our cities, our businesses, our, politi our political uh, sphere and atmosphere, our schools. Lord, we want to declare this isn't it. We want to go from a people who settle to a people who are being sent right now. We want to go from comfy to commissioned, Lord. Will you commission us afresh right now, Lord? Come, Lord. Come, Lord. We love you. We love you. We long for you, Lord. We surrender. We surrender, Lord. Have your way. Have your way. Have your way. Increase, increase your presence, Lord. Increase your presence. Pioneering spirit, Lord. Pioneering spirit, Lord. Pioneering spirits, Lord. For the impossible, Lord. For the impossible. For the things we've discounted. For the things we've written off. And Lord, we just pray for things that we've tried and they haven't quite went how we thought. Where that is a barrier, Lord, to step out again. We commit that to you, Lord. We don't want that to be a barrier. So we lay that at your feet. We take down the wall right now, Lord. You're not finished yet with us, Lord. You're not finished. There's more. And we just pray over the, the crazy dreams, Lord. We pray over the crazy the impossible, the, the things that we can't do in our own strength. The things that are in our guts right now and we know we need to speak them out and we'll create a space for that. Thank you, Jesus. asked a, a couple of friends to be praying for this session uh, a couple of weeks before and they've just got a couple of words that they're, they're going to share out and then we can pray for each other and respond um, I just 
feel like I've just got a word for you. Um, just as you came in, I just saw you were here early, you sat near the front, and I just felt the Lord saying that you have such a holy hunger uh, for him. And I just feel like he just wants to say to you that he sees that, he sees your hunger for him. And I just see that he is drawing near to you, that he's breathing on the dreams that you have. And I just saw over you um, just the words, it was um, connection and creativity. And I just feel that the Lord is anointing you around that area, but connection and creativity. And actually the Lord wants to do a new thing in and through you around creativity and he's going to reveal that to you as you as you just press in in that secret place he's going to give you the strategy he's going to show you in fact there's already dreams in your heart that you're holding that actually as you come into that secret place and he's going to breathe on that and he's going to show you but um he sees your hunger he sees your hunger and he's just all over the dreams that you have so yeah just do one more I just um this chap just up near the back uh, with a kind of gray top and um, the red zip and um I just saw there's like a weightiness on you I just saw that you're someone who you have big dreams in the Lord but I also see how the enemies maybe come in to try and like weigh you down I, I don't know if that makes sense at all but even like words that have been spoken over you or I can't do that or things maybe that are coming from the inside whether it's fear I just feel like the enemy that he's really trying to put a weight, a weight on you but the reason is is because the dreams that God has given you is big <laughs> the dreams that God has given you is big big and um, he just really wants to speak to you about who he's created you to be that you are a son of God and again it's that key is coming to the secret place and just learning to hear his voice because there's you are a pioneer I just really feel like the Lord just wants to encourage you to um yeah just to press into him and, and just to shake off um just anything that would look to discourage you or weigh you down but to know who you are in him and to walk boldly and to keep your head held high because there's a big calling on your life around pioneering yeah thank you Jesus Uh, yeah, I just had a couple of uh, of pictures. Um, two were very similar. One was of like an escape room and people had like keys and they were like rusty keys. And then the other one was uh, like a kind of like, you know, one of those old water cisterns where they're like trying to pump it and there's like muck and grime coming out of it. But just felt for both of those situations, it was like God was saying to persevere, to keep pushing on, to keep pumping, uh, to keep uh, trying the keys that actually he was bringing new keys into those situations. And actually those things were unlocking dreams, dreams that I guess maybe had been uh, put on the on the shelf before, or maybe just kind of neglected, but actually it was just to keep pumping, to keep persevering within that. And just kind of Isaiah 43 came to mind within that. And then um, another one I had, um, and I was just thinking about a pioneer and what a pioneer was and uh, thinking about Columbus. And um, I just had this uh, thought that um, before Columbus uh, went to the Americas, uh, people believed the world was flat. They believed that he would just fall off the end. Uh, and then he came back. And um, I just feel there's someone here. I don't know who it would be particularly, but you've maybe maybe you've come to this conference and um, uh, people have been telling you that uh, there's nothing there or uh, like why are you going? What does that look like? And you're able to come back uh, from here and tell them a different truth. I just felt that that almost you're gonna you someone is gonna be here and they're gonna go back to their people that they've come from and they're gonna be able to tell them a different truth, uh, one they didn't believe before until uh, you've been an experience and almost like you've come here, uh, you've got the t-shirt, you can go back to your people and say, hey, actually there is a different truth here. There's a different truth for us. There's a different uh, almost like rewriting something, um, just a different truth for for you and your people. Great. Why don't, if any of what those guys have shared, why don't you pop your hand up? And also, I feel uh, the thing about speaking it out. So that moment four years ago and going, speaking that place out and, and, 
that happening. There's, there's a moment, perhaps, for a few of us that we know it. We just we've never said it, and I think the Lord wants to do something with that and uh, take you on a bit of an adventure with that. So why don't you put your hand up? Let's be family. Let's gather around. Also, this gentleman here, the Lord's all over you. If some guys could get around and, and just bless what the Lord is doing with uh, that guy there, that'd be brilliant. Uh, so stick your hand up if any of those words are, are for you. And we'll, yep, there's someone over there. Brilliant. Yep, guy at the back. Anyone around speaking out something? Yeah, brilliant. Anyone else? Yeah, a lady over there. Brilliant. If some people could gather around. Uh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for what you're doing. Brilliant. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Pray in this wee room something significant, the ripples of this moment, Lord, for our nation and for the nations, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.